We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Pop Torah with Rabbi Iznopf and Olitsky, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we look at pop culture from a Jewish perspective and look at Judaism through the lens of pop culture. As always, we are your hosts. I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. And I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And today we are talking about the 2022 Emmy Awards that uh, just aired as we record this this past Monday night. We're going to talk about it all. We're going to talk about the winners, the losers, and the broader trends and what it all means. And what they were wearing. Just kidding. And what they were wearing. Lots of white, as I understand. Uh, so let's get into it, Mike. Uh, we, we did. Right after earlier, Labor Day. Can you believe it? Right after Labor Day. We did an Oscars Pop Taurus special earlier in the year. This is our, our Emmys special, the 74th annual Emmy Awards, uh, hosted by. It's been 74 years already. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. Hosted by Keenan Thompson. Uh, you may know him from Saturday Night Live. I know him from Good Burger. Uh, and there was a great oh, Good that. Burger reference where where Kel, and there was a Keenan and Kel reunion. I heard the there Emmys, was a Kel cameo. Um, that I'm pretty sure nobody got or understood or appreciated unless you watched Snick, Saturday Night Nickelodeon when you were eight years old like me. So let's oh, get into that. it. Let's review Kel. the winners of the Emmys uh, and see who got a Pop Torah bump. Outstanding drama series was Succession, which is a great show we've never talked about. Uh, it did beat out some of the shows that we did talk about, like Stranger Things, like Severance, uh, which was a fascinating show, uh, and some shows that I love that we didn't talk about, like Ozark. Uh, what do you think about Succession pulling off the win? Yeah, it's you know it's interesting. Succession, uh, I believe, won last year as well. Uh, that seemed to be a trend this year that uh, the awards maybe went to name recognition on some level more than they uh, arguably went to uh, what was most deserving. The challenge, of course, is that there are a lot of deserving shows. I mean, the, the, this third season of, of Succession, I thought, was excellent. Definitely deserving of the win, uh, but you know some of these other shows that were in the category: Better Call Saul, Euphoria, Ozark, Severance, Squid Game, Stranger Things, Yellow Jackets. Uh, also, you know some of them I've seen, some of them I haven't. Some of them we've talked Squid about. Squid Game, the most streamed show in Netflix history, right? And Squid Game did take walk away with with uh, some historic awards. Uh, we'll 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 get into that uh, as well. Uh, but but arguably, you know, tough competition for a succession. Um, I'm I'm a big Succession fan. I think it's uh, I, I think it's great. Uh, I think that uh, it is uh, a really interesting uh, observation about uh, our uh, culture's obsession with uh, with with money, its relationship to fame and power, um, and and of course the the family dynamics in it uh, evoke in me a lot of you know Jewish thoughts. Uh, we've never talked about it on the show. Maybe we should. Maybe we will. Uh, what, what do you think, Jesse? You know, I, I think maybe we'll get into this later. These categories, I'm not sure it makes sense to put succession and stranger things in the same category. Right. That's I, true. I, right. Like, there's, uh, there's, there's very drama. different shows. Right. Um, 
and, and I love Stranger Things. Stranger Things is, is a show that I could binge watch with uh, my, my children. Succession is a show that I feel uncomfortable watching simply because the family dynamics make me un- uncomfortable. Uh, it, right. It's a good show. You know, my issue with it is how dark it is. Uh, there, there's nothing that make me that, that makes me uh, hopeful for a better future. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's quite disturbing about uh, how people, especially family, treat each other. Well, right. You know, but you raising an interesting point. Like I, I tend not to relate to succession as a drama. Um, I think of it more as a comedy with, uh, with, with dramatic, with a lot of dramatic elements and storylines. And, you know, I I think that one, one, one thing I heard once that the, you know, the difference between comedy and tragedy um, is, uh, is, is about timing and ending, right? So, you know, tragedies, uh, uh, end with, uh, you know, with in sadness and, uh, and comedies and with, you know, have happy, tend to have happy endings. Uh, and so maybe this is a drama, maybe this is a tragedy. We'll see how things end up for the Roy family and for the world that they, uh, that their interfamily squabbles, uh, influence, uh, greatly, right? I mean, you know, this past season, you know, dealt with the, the relationship between, uh, wealth and power and uh, and and media, uh, how the the Roy family really is responsible for uh, for for picking uh, the next uh, uh, I guess Republican uh, presidential nominee, and uh, uh, they end up you know backing um, a very extreme right wing uh, candidate um, because. Uh, he is charismatic and, you know, kisses the ring and, um, uh, and you know, and, 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 and is very problematic. Right? It's we'll a little too close to home. Week. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and, and as an aside, you know, it makes you wonder who is the most successful Culkin? Is it Kieran Culkin or Macaulay Culkin? Um, yeah. you know, tough, tough to say, uh, you know, in, in, in our, in our era, um, you know, and by the way, I think that, uh, Kieran Culkin, uh, should have, uh, uh, it was it, it was a tough category for that uh, uh, supporting actor in a in a drama series. Uh, you know, another actor from Succession uh, won uh, won that o- award. Um, uh, yeah, he got beaten out by by Matthew McFadden. Yeah, Matthew McFadden. Uh, McFadden. Yeah, um, you know, also a great performance in that show. Um, I, I love Kieran Culkin in the show. I, I, I was my, he was my odds on bet for, for winning in that category. Um, but, you know, listen, I mean, I, I, you know, I, and I'm thinking about this a lot for when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, we talk about the idea in Rosh Hashanah of Memshelet Zadon and in doing some research about this, that, which means usually trans, it's literally translated as like the arrogant kingdom, uh, the, uh, the conservative Machzor, the conservative high holiday prayer book translates it as the tyranny of arrogance. But basically it seems to me that in, uh, uh, rabbinic tradition, Zadon is about, um, uh, uh, self-service is about ego, right? And so that really kind of is the the overall dynamic in um, in in succession is all these people, you know, kind of fighting for what benefits their own interest uh, at, without really any consideration for not only the the, the good of their family, because like um, uh, uh, Logan Roy, um, uh, the, the the lead character. Um, uh, who, who runs the, you know, Waystar Royco, um, you know, sees his own interest and the interests of his family as being synonymous. 
Other members of his family clearly disagree with that, uh, but they feel the same way, that their own interest is synonymous with, with the family's interest. None of them have any sense that, uh, you know, have any consideration about whether, you know, what's good for them is also good for, I don't know, the rest of humanity. Um, and, um, and, and that's, you know, that uh, approach to the world, I think, is one of the things that the High Holiday Prayer Book uh, calls out as being particularly problematic and worth our attention on the high holidays. I hear that. I hear that. Let's let's zoom through some of these other winners. Uh, outstanding comedy series. Uh, Ted Lasso was the big winner. Maybe it got Not the pop tour bump. bump. Uh, but uh, but but uh, losing out other pop tour favorites, Abbott Elementary and Only Murders in the Building. Again, uh, odd category. I wouldn't put those three uh, in the same category at all. They're three very different shows. Abbott Elementary uh, is sort of more of your traditional um, network television comedy, uh, a, a mockumentary style comedy uh, like The Office, like Parks and, and Rec. Only Murders in the Building is a bit of like a dark comedy. Ted Lasso is just a, a, a feel-good story. You loved it more than I did. I know you weren't such a fan of the second season. No. But there are like other shows that are real comedies, like Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Marvelous right. Mrs. Maisel. I also wouldn't call it comedy. I'd call it the Jewish show ever. <laughs> um, uh, but but uh, Ted Lasso is the big winner there. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I agree. You know, we, uh, we, we talked about Ted Lasso on the show. We disagreed about Ted Lasso on the show, but I, I agree with you that the second season was, was certainly weaker in my opinion than the first. Um, and this struck me as kind of lazy Emmy voting. Um, I think, you know, Abbott elementary was very deserving one in other categories, but, but I think was deserving in this, uh, Barry, uh, is one we haven't talked about. Uh, also one whose categorization here in comedy is, challenging barry definitely is has comedic elements um but i don't know it's it the, the, there's a tragedy in it too and, and and drama in it too um hacks i love i love the first season and the second season i thought was excellent we haven't talked about hacks in the show maybe we should uh but also very deserving didn't win gene smart one for uh best uh actress in the lead role in a comedy uh for that deserving of that uh but i would have loved to see some love for that here uh, and only murders in the building, like you said. So, yeah, uh, I think, you know, I, I don't know if we have more to say about Ted Lasso than we've already said about it. Other yeah, than go back, listen to our episode uh, on a previous Pop Tour episode right. about Ted Lasso. Right. Other other than maybe to say this about it, you know, I think that it's, it's popularity and it's win here reflects a desire for what Ted Lasso is selling. Right, and what Ted Lasso is selling is is uh, optimism Hope. in a very dark time. Kindness, I I, I would agree with that. Um, absolutely, people are looking for that. Um, outstanding limited series, The White Lotus got the Pop Tour bump. Um, mm. Beat out uh, another Pop Tour favorite, Inventing Anna. Um, also, by the way, uh, a, a strange categorization considering that there's going to be another season of The White Lotus. Yes, very odd. Um, other outstanding limited series nominees, which were phenomenal, Dope Sick, which really talks about the opioid crisis in uh, uh, in this country and how pharmaceutical companies, uh, how a Jewish family uh, was really behind the spread uh, of the, this opioid crisis, uh, the dropout, um, talking about uh, fame and success uh, is so important that you're willing to lie to get there, uh, Pam and Tommy. 
um, which was really a phenomenal series, uh, not safe for work type of series, but a phenomenal series uh, just simply for the fact uh, of what Sebastian Stan was able to do and uh, of what um, uh, uh, Lily James was able to do uh, in recreating the roles uh, of Tommy Lee and, and Pamela Anderson. Um, but but the White Lotus got got that Pop Tora bump. Um, and then uh, shout again, out to- you know, again, like I think that the White Lotus uh, reflects a theme that we also see in Succession. And arguably, I didn't watch the whole series, uh, and I think you did, but we're about to mention Squid Game, yeah. which I think is a similar uh, theme in Squid Game. About wealth, that, about yeah. class, right, right. about, yeah, uh, and, about and, the, and how, the difference it, between the haves and the have-nots. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. I think that that plays a, a big role in a lot of these uh, and, and in, you know, with the inflation we're experiencing in this economy, it plays a big role in the world. Um, mm-hmm. I think our privilege um, has allowed us to underappreciate how large of a role that plays, um, but but it plays a huge role. Yeah, I was going to shout out Lee Jung-jae, uh, the lead actor who, who won uh, for Squid Game. Um, as we said, it's a, it's a dark and disturbing show. Um uh, a, a big winner and it beat out um, uh, uh, many nominees from succession. It beat out Bob uh, Odenkirk for, for better call Saul, Adam Scott, the lead for severance who, who we were big fans of. Uh, so well, well-deserving. And then we have the MCU Zendaya uh, who, who won for euphoria uh, and outstanding lead actress in a drama uh, beat out um uh, both Sandra O oh and Jodie Comer for Killing Eve. The fact that Sandra O oh has never won an Emmy for Killing Eve or Grey's Anatomy is absurd. Um, beat out, and also, and also uh, for for the chair, I think it wasn't even nominated. Right. Uh, you know, which she was excellent in that too. Yeah, Sandra O was uh, beat out. Um, Laura Linney for Ozark, Reese Witherspoon for The Morning Show. Um, that, that really speaks also about privilege. It speaks about sort of the world of high school, um, the, the world, the role that drugs and sex play, but specifically when, when you, when you live a certain life, uh, Mm -hmm. right. Euphoria is about those who who have wealth and and privilege. And so that is very much that their high school experience that, that it is fueled by, by, by a culture of drugs and sex. Right. And arguably, that's also the theme or at least one of the themes of uh, of hacks, um, because the you know, the, the show is really about the dynamic between uh, Gene Smart's character, who is an incredibly successful uh, uh, female comedian uh, who is, you know, sort of at the um, later stages of her career and is, you know, uh, looking to reinvent herself. Uh, potentially, and a younger female comedian uh, who, you know, uh, is not as nearly as successful, um, and the dynamic b- between them uh, and their and and their relationship. So it's a, 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 about a story of a have and a have not, um, and and um, how they uh, use one another, how they don't use one another. Um, so I think that it's that it's really interesting to note that these are. That this is a theme that is uh, uh, being explored very prominently in in pop culture, and maybe reflecting the reality that uh, the the gap between uh, the haves and the have-nots, the um, the uh, the wealth gap in 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 America and I think around the world um, is um, is is 
is higher than it certainly has been in the modern era. Um, uh, at, you know, the, the, the proportion of people um, in the you know, top tier of the economy um, is, is significantly uh, uh, smaller uh, than the portion of people in the middle and bottom tiers. Um, my, my sense is that next year we're going to see uh, loot be uh, be nominated. That's the new Maya Rudolph uh, vehicle on Apple TV Plus, uh, where, which also uh, very explicitly explores uh, some of these same themes. So it's it's not uh, it's not something that's going away. It's something that we're going to keep on talking about and thinking about. I think, and, and probably for good reason. Uh, zooming through uh, the individual award nominee uh, winners now, we, we have uh, uh, Julia Garner won for Supporting Actress in a Drama Series, uh, was not a, a winner for Inventing Anna, but won for uh, her, her, her role in Ozark, where she was incredible in that role. Uh, lead actor in a comedy series, Jason Sudeikis wins for Ted Lasso, uh, and Brett Goldstein wins for Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. Ted Lasso really cleaned up yeah. Um, uh, you know, Brad Goldstein was nominated against two other, uh, supporting actors for Ted Lasso. Uh, maybe Jason Sudeikis was given love because of all the Olivia Wilde, Harry Styles, uh, you know, uh, stuff going on in TMZ. Uh, people, people are feeling bad for, for Jason Sudeikis. Uh, I, I choose him over Harry Styles any day of the week, uh, for, for me. Uh, but he did beat out Steve Martin. He did beat out Martin Short. He did beat out Bill Hader, Donald Glover, uh, funny guys on funny shows. Again, not sure Ted Lasso belongs in that same category, uh, but it but it did win out. And I think you're right, Mike. It's because he he is an optimist, an eternal optimist, and it's a show about hope uh, when when we need it most. Yeah, and I will say, you know, especially when it comes to Jason Sudeikis's performance, um, you know, I think that that was um, an important part of the second season. His breakdown. Uh, there, there, there was more. There was much more depth. Uh, and pathos to his character in the second season than there was in the first season. They explored some really kind of dark territory for him. Uh, and um, and so he was in a really tough category with really great actors who gave great performances uh, in their own rights. But, uh, but I, I would say, you know, if any award was going to go to Ted Lasso this year, I would... Um, give credit for that one more than the overall show this season. Yeah, as, as I said in, the, in our Ted Lasso episode, that I, I couldn't get on board with it because it didn't seem genuine and it only began to feel genuine when he breaks down in the second season, right? When, when mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can't be an eternal optimist forever, right? You, you have to break down. You have to deal with the, the cruel reality that, that you're experiencing at times, um, right? We cry ourselves to sleep in the morning. Uh, we cry ourselves to sleep at night, but joy comes in the morning, uh, as, as the psalmist says. Uh, and, and so uh, for him to always feel joy and never cry himself to sleep, right? For there to always be light and never darkness. I don't think that that's authentic. Again, that's a dramatic performance. I don't think that belongs in, in the comedy category, but nonetheless, it's there. Right. Uh, we have Jean Smart, as you mentioned, won for her role in Hacks. Um, outstanding supporting actress in a comedy series. Cheryl Lee Ralph won for Abbott Elementary. Got that Abbott Elementary pop tour bump. Uh, gave an outstanding um, acceptance speech where she sang um, a, a powerful, powerful song about what it means uh, to be a black woman, uh, uh, you know, referring to herself as an endangered species. Uh, and, and it was very powerful. Um, 
Anne's serious love for Michael Keaton went in uh, for Dope Sick, a really powerful, disturbing show. Um, uh, he may we never we, we may never see his role in Batgirl because uh, that is never going to see the light of day. Apparently, according to uh, Warner Brothers Discovery and, and those at, at HBO Max, but uh, he did win yeah. for Dope Sick. Right. Well, yeah, we'll 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 come to that. Uh, the the drama around uh, HBO Max Discovery, um, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, that uh, that that was sort of underneath a lot of this. Intre- interestingly, you know, HBO Max shows got a lot of love uh, at the Emmys. Um, uh, and uh, I, I just saw a news report that uh, that Warner Brothers Discovery uh, responded uh, to uh, HBO Max's success with 100 layoffs, right? So, um, you know, it, uh, uh, really interesting subtext there. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, right. And- HBO Max is the most successful, I would say, show of the night. We talked about White Lotus. A White Lotus won big. Murray Bartlett won for a supporting actor. Uh, again, because White Lotus is seen as a limited series, uh, and Jennifer Coolidge uh, won as supporting actress for White mm-hmm. Lotus a- as well. Um, as, so, as did uh, and Mike White won for uh, writing and directing. writing and directing. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if we left any of the, the big awards out. Uh, Amanda Seyfried won for uh, lead actress in a limited series or TV movie. Again, for the Dropout beating out Margaret uh, Qualey for Maid, um, who is phenomenal. This was really her first main role. We had a whole episode on Pop Tour about Maid. Again, talking about class. Um, yes, talking about abuse and addiction, but really talking about class, the haves and the have-nots, and right. how that there, there are these two Americas, and that is a key part of, of our society. And yeah, and and uh, one one final one that we didn't mention is uh, Kinta Brunson also winning uh, a, a award for writing for Abbott for Elementary. Abbott Elementary, yeah. Um, and again, another show that really uh, deals it deals with it in a different way than some of these other ones, but uh, about the um, the 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 di- the dynamic between the haves and the have-nots, right? The Abbott well, Elementary. Great, great, very, great story uh, actually that uh, Abbott Elementary used their entire budget to promote. You know, they have these like four-year consideration promotions for for uh, Emmy voters, use their entire four-year consideration budget uh, to buy school supplies for inner city schools uh, rather than promoting mm-hmm. their show to, to win any awards, which is, which is great. Amazing. Um, and, and also, you know, a, a real powerful indictment that, um, that, that a TV show uh, needs to do that. Um, yeah. because the schools don't have enough funding of their own to buy supplies for their kids. Yeah. Um, anyway, you know, now that we've gone through the winners, we, we do have to acknowledge uh, that the 74th annual uh, primetime Emmy Awards, uh, maybe you and I were the only ones who watched it, Mike, because uh, it, no, it, maybe you're the only one who watched it. I, it may have been apparent, but I did not watch the telecast. Ah, so uh, viewership dives to an all-time low, um, down double digits from uh, the the last year and the last time NBC broadcasted. It was going up against the the first Monday Night Football game of the season. Um, but what do you think that's a, about? That uh, all-time low, seventy-four years of the making. Do people not care about awards? Do people not care about uh, the Emmys specifically? 
Yes, <laughs> maybe. I, you know, I think that, listen, I think that the there are a few things happening here from my perspective. You know, one is, um, you know, even, even live TV events um, are not necessarily um, as uh, appealing uh, to the audience anymore, right? The, we've, we've really migrated to an on-demand uh, and, and streaming model uh, that, you know, uh, maybe arguably sports is still, uh, it, it, you know, still so in that category, I mean, there may be a few, few events that are, uh, but, uh, but, but maybe the Emmys is just not in that top tier. Um, and I, I don't know if it ever really has been, I'm not sure if I ever like really, you know, made Emmys appointment viewing in the same way that I, that I did uh, the Oscars. So I think that that's one thing that's, that's definitely going on. Um, the second thing that I think is is going on um, is that um, the, the marketplace is really saturated. You know, first of all, there's a lot of competition for whatever people are going to be watching on a given night. Um, you know, so so like, why would I watch the Emmys award Succession when I could just watch Succession, um, right? And in, 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 you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I wouldn't have had that option really, right? So, um, so I think that that's uh, important. And the third thing I think um, is that you know people watch these uh, people watch award shows. Uh, I think for a couple of reasons. You know, the first is um, we like seeing celebrities, um, and you know we we like especially uh, the the sort of. Uh, surprising moments uh, that happen, you know, with, when, when our celebrities kind of let, let their guard down, when our favorite celebrities let their guard down a little bit. Uh, you know, the MTV with the VMAs recently, I think, you know, tried to really kind of orchestrate those things uh, in a way that, uh, from what I understand, didn't really work all that well. Um, you know, the Oscars is on the other end of the spectrum where where something you know really unscripted happened that was very uh disturbing and and unsettling mm -hmm. uh you really kind of want to get into the sweet spot where you know where um where where you know surprising things happen right they they you like me you really like me that sort of thing from the oscars so uh or or like um uh you know the the moment that you were talking about um uh, when uh, the actress from Abbott Elementary won won her award, and you know, really kind of had an unscripted moment, so we want to see those things, um, and and we want to see the shows or the movies if we're talking about the Oscars that we liked win, uh, and you know, so we 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 watch these like we watch sports to like root for our team, but in a really crowded marketplace like this, um, I don't really have a team to root for. Like, am I really that much more? excited that succession wins best drama than i would have been if uh uh stranger things had won best sure. drama severance like I'm, I'm not rooting for it in the same way yeah i, I think that's true I, you know it's an oversaturated marketplace uh we we've spent many episodes talking about the streaming wars how that plays out how right sort of like disruptive innovation have has changed uh the shows that we watch and i think one result of that absolutely is that there are too many shows. Uh, some of them are good shows, shows that have ne would have never been created um, and, and would have never made it to primetime television, would have not even necessarily made it, you know, when HBO or, or, or Showtime or something like that was not offering a streaming service. But I think what it's also caused is there's so much to watch. We aren't depending on... Uh, the Emmys to tell us what is good and what is not, right? We 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 binge um, 
maybe people are dependent on us, Mike. They're dependent on Pop Torah to, to tell them what is good and what is not. But but I mean, it's, it's, all, it's obvious from all the uh, all the Pop Torah winners, right? All, all and you know so many five star reviews we get. But but it's but it's really about uh, people determining for themselves. Uh, you you can't uh, find what is right for you based on what somebody else tells you. Um, there are some people. That, that come to my synagogue and say, what does it mean that you're a conservative synagogue? Uh, and, and I could talk to them about ideology, but that's actually really not what they're asking. It's because, you know, they assume, oh, I belong to this conservative synagogue or that conservative synagogue. I went to this conservative uh, movement camp or something like that. And so I belong to your conservative synagogue. The truth is that our synagogue, which I'm sure is the case of yours, there are people who grew up conservative and reform and reconstructionist and orthodox and are Jews by choice and, and are not Jewish, but are committed to raising their children as Jewish or are, are uh, uh, commit in a committed relationship with a Jewish partner or something like that and are actively involved in our congregation. And there are those who are involved in prayer and education and justice work or, or they're purely so for social reasons. Um, um, they're not necessarily there because we're affiliated with a conservative movement and that's why they automatically join the synagogue or they're there because they check it out and I hope it's meaningful to them and they find value in it where um, they're, they're not just going to say, oh, somebody told me uh, because of your movement affiliation, this must be the right place for me, right? Because somebody wins an Emmy, I'm not going to watch the show just because right. they, they, they want an Emmy and watch a show. If somebody who I trust tells me this is a show that I would love. Right. I listen, I, I will say that I, you know, uh, uh, an award, a nomination or, or, or win might make me more inclined to watch a show that I wasn't otherwise inclined to watch or a movie that I wasn't otherwise inclined to watch. Right. So I, I don't know, for example, we, I don't know, remember if we, well, we talked about it in the Oscar special, but I don't know if I would have made a point of watching the power of the dog, uh, had it not been, you know, nominated for so many Oscars and, and, in uh, and, and, you know, rumored to be the the front runner, right? So I think you have that here. So and I wouldn't have watched it if you didn't tell me that we were going to report about it. <laughs> right? I, I know you wouldn't have. You did not care for it. But uh, the you know, but I think that sometimes uh, those accolades matter. But I think the way you're pointing to Jesse is you know something that I that that I know you think about a lot, and I think about a lot, right? You know what we're seeing in this definitely is. Um, you know, is is a growing fragmentation of the marketplace, um, a, a recognition that, you know, th there aren't going to be like even the broadcast show, you know, it happens to be on ABC, but it's really a streaming show, right? It's it's really, it's it's a niche uh, show in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, most of the companies and studios have really made their peace with that. It, it seems that they're, that they're not going to, you know, uh, get, uh, um, you know, friends or Seinfeld numbers for their, for their shows anymore. They're not even measuring in that way. They're measuring it by like, you know, fervent, loyal fan bases and, and, and that sort of thing. So I think that the question for me, um, about religious life is, do we, um, do we embrace that trend and, and recognize that, you know, that, that we really ought to, you know, craft experiences tailored for, um, for, for certain tastes, right? For, you know, certain, uh, certain segments of the marketplace, they're going to like your shul and not mine. And that's fine. Right. Or do we, you know, try to be, um, a, a broadcast network in a streaming landscape and, 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 uh, and, you know, uh, be countercultural in that way, uh, creating religious experiences that might have mass appeal. Yeah. 
I, I actually think that the broadcast networks in a streaming landscape, uh, the, the synagogues that are the broadcast networks are, are the ones that are struggling the most, sure. um, right? They're the ones that are old school. Um, the, the way you create mass appeal is not by uh, having one thing to meet everybody's needs, one prayer experience to meet everybody's needs, one spiritual experience. It's by creating as many entry points as possible. We are, uh, you know, on the high holidays this year uh, and, and soon every Shabbat, uh, we are offering multiple Shabbat experiences, multiple prayer experiences. Um, and this is not a new concept, right? Cineplex, uh, you know, introduced this idea through Star, Synagogue Transformation and Renewal, uh, which no longer uh, exists, um, that they, they sunset, right, in uh, the early 2000s, in 2000 and uh, maybe 2012 or so. But the idea of, of Cineplex and, and this model is that you create many entry points, right? That, that we understand that people connect to God and people connect to prayer and people connect to Jewish community in, in different ways. And so we're really embracing that, right? The best networks, like you look at HBO Max, which I don't know why WB you know, Discovery is laying off so many people. They, they have shows um, on HBO like... Um, House of Dragon, like mm. uh, Succession, right? The, the, these incredible shows. And they have shows that are funny shows. Uh, the, the, the Sex Lives of College Girls, which talks about the, the sexual culture um, and, in a way, positive feminism and um, uh, closeted um, sexuality of, of somebody who is queer and, and at college, right? It, it's a funny show uh, and, and they're able to offer both on a streaming service. You know, we, we see that yeah. all the time. You see right. that with Netflix can put out Squid Game and could put out a comedy show like Never Have I Ever or something like that. Um, you, you can't be one size fits all because that was never successful. All that did was it, it forced people to look elsewhere that worked when there were four networks, right? That and those were your only options because you were forced to watch something you didn't want to watch because that was the only thing on. Uh, people are unwilling to do that, and so now within the Jewish community, the option is either A, I don't affiliate at all, or B, we're in the streaming wars too, right? I can go sign on to a synagogue and watch on live stream across the country if I don't like what my local synagogue is having to offer. Right. The the problem though is. I think you're right that the that the broadcast synagogues uh, on some level are the ones struggling right now. But if you look at what's happening with with uh, Warner Brothers Discovery and and Netflix um, as well, uh, even though they they might not admit it in public, or they're not being as public about it as Warner Brothers Discovery is, is that um, the the model is um, not financially successful yet or or at least like maybe it was temporarily and it no longer is because of the saturation of the marketplace because of the splintering of the of of the audience so hbo max has all these exceptional shows that they spend a lot of money on and why is warner brothers discovery doing what they're doing because it's not making any money right netflix is the same way right netflix you know pumped millions, hundreds of millions of dollars into the latest season of Stranger Things. And they, you know, more people watched it than they've ever watched it before. Um, and Netflix is losing money uh, because of that, you know, we're, we're, we haven't talked about, and I'm hoping that maybe we will, but the um, the new Lord of the Rings series on uh, that just dropped on Amazon Prime. Or most Prime, ex Prime most Prime expensive Prime. per episode right. show ever. 
Right. I'm, I, I, I heard somewhere that they spent upwards of a billion dollars on this first season. Yeah. Right. And it's over you know, a million, listen, like well over a million dollars per episode. Right. And listen, no, I'm sorry, Bezos, uh, well, well over a hundred million dollars per episode. Yeah. Jeff Bezos has, has, has money to spare. Like that's, that's a parking ticket to him. I get it. But like, I think it remains to be seen. Is that a, um, uh, a sustainable model or what we what we'll see eventually is that you know all of these streaming services you know uh, spend all this money to kind of get us in the door and and using these uh, platforms, but eventually the the um, they're going to realize that that's not they're not getting a return on the investment and the and it will be the quality will be much more diluted, but we won't really have anywhere else to go because we'll be in these streaming platforms. So my point about this when it comes to Judaism is, you know, are we um, what are we giving up when we uh, trade the, um, the 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 broadcast religious experiences for the niche religious experiences, knowing that um, that the, the the niche religious experiences may not be any more sustainable than the broadcast ones, and maybe the broadcast ones are actually what have the re- the ones that have the resources or could have the resources to meet a broader cross-section people's spiritual needs that will end up not getting met because all of these kind of niche uh, projects, uh, more more tailored experience. And I don't want to be uh, derisive of them because there's a lot of, you know, I, I put a lot of really uh, exceptional things in that category, but they're, you know, they're, they're not going to be uh, sustainable in the long term. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure we're giving up anything at all, truthfully, right? It, it's clear to me based on uh, affiliation rates, clear to me based on studies and statistics with regards to the millennial population, that the sort of broadcast network Jewish experience is, is not attractive to people. So the choice is, I don't think people will stop watching TV, right? I, I do believe People will stop going to synagogue if what we offer is not meaningful, or they will uh, look elsewhere. And there are certain institutions that used to bank on being the only game in town. Uh, but but two things happen, I think, in certain areas with independent minyanim popping up. Uh, that is not the case. But also, in, in addition, again, you know, streaming and live streaming, especially during the pandemic, has allowed people to connect spiritually to synagogues that are not close to them. It is not the same to stream into a service from your couch on Rosh Hashanah, but if that is meeting people's needs when their local synagogue is not, then people are able to do that and the sort of status quo does not meet people's needs. And I would say that that goes back to the assumption, right? The Emmys used to bank on the fact this show won an Emmy, everybody was going to watch it. It was going to bump up the viewership of that show. Uh, right. Uh, and, and that happened with certain shows um, like The Office or something like that. Uh, that doesn't happen uh, anymore because I don't need the Emmys to tell me what I like. Yeah, force I don't know. Me into a certain box. I, I don't know about that. I think that we'll see that, you know, uh, Abbott Elementary, for example, will get a bump. For example, we'll get a bump from from the Emmys. I think my 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 point. I I don't necessarily disagree with anything that you're saying, Jesse. I, I think that my my point is more trends change, right? So if you look at the at the current trend line of religious affiliation, not just Jewish affiliation, Jewish religious affiliation, but you know re- affiliation with religious institutions been declining steadily, um, and you can kind of unpack the trend lines for all the same for all the reasons that you're that that you're saying, and I think that your analysis of it is right. 
my question is, um, you know, is it wise for for the Jewish for Jewish institutions, legacy institutions and startups, to chase those trends and play to those trends, or to anticipate the next set of trends? And so I think if you if you kind of see the you know the canaries in the coal mine and what's happening with streaming, I I wonder if it might be wise for the Jewish community to start thinking about what the next set of trends are going to be for religious life in America. It may be, um, you know, it, it, I, I doubt it's going to be, you know, a return to, to broadcast, right? Like for all the reasons that you're saying, but I'm not sure it's going to look like what it currently looks like right now. And so I, and so I think that that's something that's worth paying attention to. The other thing I want to say, and this is the, this is uh, about the, the values proposition and what we're talking about, not necessarily right. The, um, the, the 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 business of religion, right? But the um, which you know we may not like to talk about, but is but is true. Like we 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 uh, you know, represent and, and lead institutions that we want to sustain and preserve because yeah. we think that they're that they're valuable. So I get that, and we and we think that what they're trying to accomplish is really valuable. I also get that, but I I, I think that there is a a values proposition, a values question, a cultural question. About what happens when when the when when the marketplace is so fragmented, um, when it when 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 people you know are you know clustered into their own you know kind of like interest groups and only interacting with their own interest groups, only engaging with their own interest groups, only consuming based on their interest, um, is there something spiritually? dangerous about that. I mean, I think we're seeing that play out in some ways in our culture and in our politics that, um, that, 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 uh, that religion in, uh, can, can push back against in trying to, um, hold out a value of, um, people, uh, of diverse people, uh, interacting with, relating to, coming together, um, even if everyone is not necessarily getting exactly what they want. Um, so, so first of all, I would say to to your to your first question, I would say it's a yes and, right? That we uh, need to be responding to these trends and look ahead to the future, to what is next, um, because I do believe this. Um, point in Jewish history is really a turning point in Jewish history and what Jewish community will look like. Um, I, I think it used to be that the, the Jewish community was very small and specific, right? Every, every shtetl had its own shul. And the truth is, even in the area of New Jersey where I live, um, we're still, we still see that. I think there will be a, a shift just based on demographics and, and there being too many synagogues in Essex County, but the Jewish community where I am in New Jersey, all was in Newark uh, until the forties and then slowly moved out to the suburbs and every suburb you move a mile out of Newark and you build your shul. You move two miles out of Newark, and you build your shul four miles and you build your shul. Um, but then we got to a place in, in suburbia where, where you had your synagogues that were meant to uh, compete both in, in architecture and aesthetics, but also in size with the local church. And we had these large institutions, uh, these large umbrella institutions. I was a rabbi at one of those as well. The problem is when you try to meet the needs of everybody, 
You sometimes meet the needs of nobody. Uh, and uh, I don't want, right? I am not going to watch a TV show that, that, that I don't like simply because it's on TV and it's the only thing on because that's not the world that we live in anymore, right? I sometimes spend way too much time figuring out what I want to watch and then go to sleep without ever watching anything. But because I have so many options, I don't want to say, okay, we want to be this large tent, this big tent, so that there are things that you don't agree with uh, and you don't get anything out of, but you have to sit through it because that's a communal Jewish experience. The alternative should be, let's have many different options all under the same tent, but many different options and understand that this may not be the right option for you. This may not be the right option for me. This may not be the right option for them. Uh, but we have all these options so that people can find their niche under the, the, the same roof. Uh, financially, I think you're right. I think Jewish institutions and synagogues are at a crossroads simply for the fact that uh, it was assumed a generation ago or two generations ago that people would just um, pay synagogue dues uh, because that's what you did as a Jew, right? You donated to Federation because that's what you did as a Jew. You joined the local JCC because that's what you did as a Jew, even though you never uh, went or you only went uh, you know, for the high holidays or something like that. Um, I, I think synagogues shouldn't depend on that. And that's also not what we want, right? We don't want people paying dues uh, who don't engage and participate. We want them to engage and participate. Uh, some of these streaming services bank on exactly that, right? Yeah. They bank on people paying their their, their, their monthly fee uh, and not taking advantage of it uh, enough. Um, what ends up happening is that, which is also, you know, what may happen to some institutions is that people are watching Netflix with their mother-in-law's, you know, account or something like that. Um, people are, are, are watching HBO Max with a family member's account um, and, and they're not paying the streaming service fees in the same way. Um, I'm not interested in, in financial success. That's not what synagogue should be. We should be financially sustainable. Yeah. Um, but but more important is, being, is uh, spiritual success and that should be our focus. Yeah. Well, listen, I think you actually raised a really good point. Uh, the first thing I want to tell you, I was, I was sort of inclined to say um, is that, you know, I, do I want to, uh, you know, enrich the uh, spiritual life um, of, you know, of, of everybody who uh, pays dues in, in my congregation and everybody who doesn't pay dues in my congregation for that matter? Yes, I do. Um, am I willing to accept people who uh, are, you know, just pay their membership dues and and don't ever engage with the congregation, except for maybe like one or two times a year or in their life. I'm willing to accept that. Um, you know, like, you want to give me your money? That's fine. Uh, but but I do think that you're raising actually a really good point, which is that, uh, that we are actually, uh, you know, synagogues in particular, um, at least tr legacy uh, synagogues in, in America, um, are really kind of on the Netflix model. We do bank on um, on, on a model where you know only maybe ten percent of our uh, of our uh, subscribers are regular users. Because if a hundred percent of our subscribers are regular users, um, it would cost us a lot more money to operate. Right, we, we right because we we need more staff, more clergy. Uh, there'll be more use of the infrastructure and of the building. But that should be our goal. Right, right. That that you have synagogues um, that are are seen uh, right that have one clergy person because they're they're seen as a modest sized synagogue. The truth is, if that synagogue was successful, if if every single person was involved 
actively involved and engaged in that synagogue, it'd be way too much for one clergy person. Right. Well, so that's, you know, that's, that's if, if, you know, the new CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery is listening to me, what I would say is, you know, that that's the danger of trying to cut your way to growth. Um, and, I, and I think a lot of synagogues feel forced into that position where, you know, they have they have more expenses uh, than than they can afford uh, based on their revenue stream. And so they have to cut, but they also want to grow and they try to cut their way to growth. Uh, and that that is a, a an, an, an ongoing challenge for religious institutions, as it clearly is for the for entertainment conglomerates as well. Absolutely. It's a challenge for us to think about as as we look ahead to the new year. Amen. Well, let us know what you thought of the Emmys. Let us know uh, what you thought should have won, shouldn't have won. What were the snubs? What were what were you excited about? What were you glad got the Pop Torah bump? And if you want to nominate us for any awards, feel free. We're we're still waiting for our first Pop Torah statue to put on our shelves. There we go. I'll uh, in the meantime, I'll make one uh, homemade and uh, and and send it to you as a high holiday gift, Jesse. I appreciate it. You deserve. Um, but uh, let us know what you think. And as always, uh, share, rate, review so more people can, and smash that subscribe button so more people can find us. Uh, until next time, I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. Take care. <laughs>